Thanks for tuning in to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jacob Scrimpture and I'm the Discipleship Pastor here at Rolling Hills Community Church. We're so glad that you joined us today as we continue our series, Finish Strong. Today you'll hear from Pastor Jeff as he teaches from Joshua chapters 7 and 8. Now, here's Pastor Jeff. Rolling Hills Church family, welcome to everybody here at Franklin Campus, welcome to everybody watching online, so thankful that you are joining in today as we come to study God's Word, to grow deeper in our faith, to become the men and women that God created us to be, and I am so thankful that you're here today, and I believe God has a word for all of us. Hey, we're in the middle of this amazing series called Finish Strong, and I love this series, I just love this series. We're walking with the children of Israel as they were slaves in Egypt. You know, here they are slaves for 400 years, and they cried out to God for deliverer. They, they prayed to God. And, and maybe in your life today, man, you're just praying to God. You know, God, I need help. And God answered their prayer. I believe God answers every prayer we pray. God answered their prayer by sending a man named Moses. And Moses comes to Pharaoh, says, let God's people go. And Pharaoh says, no, you know. And so God does these 10 plagues, and Pharaoh gets it that he's God, and Pharaoh's not and so here you got a million people walking out of Egypt. And they're on this journey. God parts the Red Sea. They cross over into the wilderness. God sustains his people in the wilderness by giving them manna and quail to eat, giving them water from a rock. And they make it all the way to the Jordan River that separates them from the promised land, the land that God promised their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And, and instead of just trusting God and walking in, they send spies in the land. And 10 of the spies come back and say, no way. There's giants in the land. And so they give in to this fear, this fear. And so for 40 years, they wander around the desert, wander around the desert in fear until a whole unbelieving generation dies off. And then Moses dies. Joshua becomes the new leader of the people. And 40 years later, they're back to that Jordan River. But this time, they say, we're gonna trust God. This time, we're going to go forward. Joshua says to the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And sure enough, they all pray. They get ready. And then the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant step into the Jordan. And the water from upstream stops flowing. And the entire nation goes across the Jordan River on dry ground. And they take that step of faith into the promised land. This land that God had given them, this land flowing with milk and honey. They've been 40 years in the wilderness, and now all this is theirs. But there's still some battles to fight. They get over into the new land, and people have moved in now. It's been 400 years, and so there's walled cities like Jericho, and they see this big battle, and God says, hey, I'll tell you how to win this battle. I'll tell you how to fight this battle. And so he says, just walk around the city. Walk around the city one time each day, six days. And on the seventh day, go seven times, and the walls will come falling down. Just trust me on this one. And so here they go, walk around the city day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. And you can imagine some of them are wanting to quit, some of them are wanting to bail, but day seven comes, and the miracle happens. The walls come falling down, and they walk straight in to the city. God gives them this great victory. Hey, don't quit in your life, you know? Don't quit on day three or day four or day five because day seven is coming. The miracle is coming. Hold on to God. Trust God with all of your heart, soul, your mind, your strength. Hold on to Him. God gives them this incredible victory. God blesses them and He gets them prepared to take the rest of the country. But today, 
Today we come to a challenge. Today we come to the first defeat. Now, now we like the victories, right? We like the W's. We like when our team wins. Everybody's happy when you're winning. And the Israelites have been winning. But today they face a defeat and they face a challenge. And in our lives, we're going to face defeats. We're going to face challenges. The real question is, are we going to learn from those challenges? The real question is, are we going to go forward in those challenges? Are we going to become men and women of character in the midst of those challenges? What are we going to do with those defeats? When we get knocked down, will we get up? And will we still move forward? Will we finish strong? Let's see what happens to them. If you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. Man, this is strong today, guys. So get ready. So Old Testament, you got the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch, and then you come to Joshua. Joshua chapter 7 today. If you're watching online, maybe you can grab another mobile device and go with us to the Rolling Hills app and pull up the scriptures with us. If you're here and you want to go to YouVersion, hey, follow along. It says, chapter 7, verse 1, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regards to the devoted things. Now, you may remember when they went into Jericho, God says, hey, guys, listen, I'm going to give you the city. I'm going to deliver it. But I want you to take all the gold and the silver and the precious things in that city and put them into the temple treasury. Those are going to be dedicated to me. Those are going to be the devoted things to me. Because, hey, we're going to, you know, we got the tabernacle, and ultimately we're going to build the temple, which is going to be in the center of your community where you're going to go and worship. So this is the first battle, the first fruits, the devoted things come to me. But Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Ooh. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avin, to the east of Bethel, and he told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and they spied out Ai. And when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it. Do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. <laughs> this is a defeat. And Joshua knows, man, we're foreigners in this land. If everybody gangs up, we're done for. You know, what has happened? So Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same thing and sprinkled dust on their heads. So Joshua comes before the Lord and he just falls face down. God, why? What happened? You've been with us. We've had all these great victories. Look at verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. And they've put it with their own possessions. That is why Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and they run because they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go consecrate the people. Tell them consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. 
There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. So God speaks. Joshua, here's what's going on. The people have stolen. They didn't trust me. They didn't do it the way I said. Look at verse down here in 16. So early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerites were chosen. He had the clan of the Zerites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua had his family come forward man by man. And Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. So God pulls this guy out, right? And then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you've done, and do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in the tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, the son of Zerai, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all of Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Wow. See, God hates sin. <laughs> because he knows the impact it has on the individual. He knows the impact it has on the family. He knows the impact it has on the community. And so God says, hey, we're going to deal with it right here, right now. Man, it's hard. This is such a powerful lesson for all of us. So if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you're at our Franklin campus, if you are online, love for you to pull up the Rolling Hills app and take some notes with us because there's some things that we need to talk about today and learn from this today. First of all is this, be careful not to grow spiritually lazy. Be careful not to grow spiritually lazy. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against I. Send two or 3,000 men to take it. And do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. There was more than a few people there, right? I mean, this was a big battle. And they weren't prepared. They were lazy. Pride goes before the fall. Right, we hear that all the time. But in our spiritual life, that can happen as well. Pride goes before the fall. I got this. God, I really don't need you. I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. You know, I could go fight this battle. I can got this thing going on. And we don't ever think about it. We just kind of go do our thing instead of going, you know what, God, I need you. I need that dependence on you. I love Psalm, 7, Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. It says, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Don't become prideful. Don't become arrogant. Always have this humility, this dependence on on the Lord. God, I need you. 
hey, be faithful in prayer. Now, I want you to notice this. Joshua never prayed about this battle. Did you see that? I mean, before, right, when they were coming up to cross the Jordan, there's Joshua. Consecrate yourselves, guys. Tomorrow the Lord's going to do amazing things among us. Hey, let's have a prayer. Let's have fasting. Let's get ready. When they get the battle of Jericho, Joshua falls face down before the Lord, the commander of the Lord's army. He's praying about it, but he never prays about this battle. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Let's just go. Just send some men. We're fine. We can do this. He doesn't get the game plan. He doesn't get the battle plan from the Lord. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Guys, be faithful in prayer. I, I got to ask you, how's your prayer life? You know, we get so busy doing all these things, right? And we're doing a lot of things. We're doing good things. <laughs> but many times we get too busy to pray. And we're like, well, I got, I got this. I got it. Man, I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to, man, implore you. Hey, take some time every day to pray. We're in this 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church. But just say, I want to develop a habit. I'm going to get up five minutes early, 10 minutes early, 15, 30 minutes early. I want to be a person of prayer. Get a journal. Write down some prayers. Put some things down. Help it to become a habit in our life. Let's be faithful in this. Man, Joshua, man, as great as he was, an incredible leader, he missed this one. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Be faithful in prayer. Be diligent about the things of God. Be diligent about the things of God. See, what we can do a lot of times is we can go, you know, God, when I get in trouble, then I'll pray, right? You know, God, I got my life. I got it all planned out. I'm living it. I'm going this way. I, I got everything going on. You know, but if I get into a bad point, then I'll pray. And God's like, well, listen, I'm not some genie in the bottle, right? You know, I'm not, I'm not just up there like, you know, some soda machine that you can put the money in that you get this thing. I, I want a relationship with you. I want to be with you in the good times and the struggles. I want to be always there for you. Be diligent. Prayer, God's word, church, community. Those are the things, right, that prepare us for when the battles come. We don't just fight the battle when we show up for it. We fight it on our knees, getting ready for it before it even comes. So that when it comes, we're ready. When it comes, we're ready. That's why we finish strong, right? Finish strong. We don't quit. We don't back down. We face challenges or struggles. We, we finish strong. In fact, we grow stronger in the midst of it. Here's what it says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds. Let's challenge each other. Let's be better. Let's grow stronger. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. <laughs> right? All the way back there in Hebrews, people were like, eh, I don't know if I need the Lord. Right? I don't know if I need to go to church. I don't know if, you know. Hey, no, 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 no. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, notice that day is capitalized, right? As you see the day approaching. It, this is the day that Christ returns. And some people have asked me, they're like, hey, Jeff, do you think we're in the end times? You know, I mean, you got plagues, right? You've got, you know, earthquakes, and you've got hurricanes. You've got all these things. I don't know. But I know we're closer today than we've ever been before. And this is the time that we encourage one another. This is the time that we grow deeper in our faith and committed to the things of God. All right, look at this, number two, number two. The downward spiral of sin. Guys, you see the downward spiral of sin. Achan replied, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. 
This is what I've done. Notice this. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. Right? I saw, I coveted, and I took. Man, recognize the progression with sin. There's always this progression. It starts out that I, that I see it. And all of a sudden it registers in my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Probably shouldn't look at that. No, probably shouldn't do that. Probably shouldn't, you know. But then it goes to this next level. We start to think about that and we covet it. We plan it out in our mind. We kind of give it time and space and it rolls around in there. And then it comes to this point where we take it. We're committed. Think about Adam and Eve, right? Isn't that what happened? God says, all these fruit trees are yours. All of this is yours except this one tree. <laughs> Don't eat from that. You mean that tree? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that looks really good. Man, that looks good. Wow, that looks awesome. I bet it tastes really good, too. I bet, I, bet, I bet that fruit is the best fruit. I bet it's the best of all of them, right? You know, and all of a sudden, this progression, this progression, this progression until they take. Same thing about David and Bathsheba. Remember that? Here's David. David is so successful. I mean, David has wives and concubines. He's got money, wealth, and he's walking around his palace one night. And a beautiful woman bathing. Man, I shouldn't see that. Shouldn't see that. Still here. Still there. Still looking right there. Right. Hey, can somebody find out who she is? David, that's the wife of your right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you get her? I'm going to take her. There's a progression. There's always this progression with sin, guys. And for us to recognize that and to stop it early on. See, temptation is not a sin. you got to think about this. Temptation is not a sin. We're all going to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. Right? I mean, Jesus was tempted three times. And he refuted every one of those with Scripture. Do we know enough Scripture to refute the temptation? The fact is we're all going to be tempted. Temptation is not the sin. It's that second look. It's that going back. It's that saw, it's that covet, it's that taking of that sin. Recognize when that comes. See, sin in our life has enormous consequences. It does. Here's the thing about sin. Sin always takes you further than you want to go. It leaves you longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than you ever wanted to pay. It's the thing about sin. That's why God hates sin so much. Because he knows what it does to us. He knows what will happen in our lives? I mean, think about Achan. It cost Achan his life. It, it cost the life of his family. And it cost 36 innocent men. Innocent men. Because of the sin of Achan. And you know what? If you look around the world today, people who sin, and man, you can see it on the front page, or you can see it, man, when you go and you read articles, and you just watch, watch the consequences that just ravels through. And they had no idea. It wasn't their planning. Hey, I'm going to embezzle this and I'm going to take down an entire company. And all of a sudden, all these people are going to lose their jobs. You know, it wasn't this that I'm going to have this affair. And it's going to impact not only my family, but another family and other people. That wasn't on their mind. Why? Because Satan knows that. Satan's not going to tell you the consequences up front. He's just going to show you the temptation. And we don't play that out in our head. There is a downward spiral of sin. That's why God is so passionate about saying, hey, remember me, trust me, be holy, be pure, because it impacts your life. Here's what it says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, 
prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Guys, we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. We've got to remember that and understand that we have an enemy who is after us. Okay, look at this, number three. Give the devoted things to God. Give the devoted things to God. They took the things from the tent of Achan, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out before the Lord. Can you imagine that? Our sin will be found out. Now I want you to notice something about Achan here. Achan never really confessed, did he? I mean, you can imagine they're going through and Joshua's like, somebody's taking the devoted things. Achan's sweating. I mean, he's like, um, you know, and so they got a million people. So they start narrowing it down. Tribe of Judah, come forward. Okay, it's you guys. You know, and he's like, uh, you know, okay, you know, clan of Zerah, right? You know, here's the family. And, and the whole time, until it finally gets down to him. He could have stopped this thing. He could have confessed. He could have gone, listen, listen, it's me. I did it. I'm wrong. I messed up. But he never did. Our sin will be found out. How often do we think, oh, nobody's going to know about this, right? Nobody's going to know I have these thoughts. Nobody's going to know I'm kind of dabbling over here in this. Nobody's going to know about this alcoholism or this anger or this. It's going to come out at some point. And that's why you have the opportunity to stop, 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 right? Hey, we do the same thing as Achan. We take what is devoted to God. We do. Now, what are the things that are devoted to God? For, for them, it was that first battle. Hey, we're going to fight Jericho. I want the first things to be devoted to the Lord. Hey, you're going to have these other battles. I'm going to continue to take care of you. I always do. Trust me in this. But Achan's like, no way. I'm taking those things. I think there's three areas that are really devoted to God that we kind of dabble in. We got to be careful. One is this. It, it's, it's time. You know, the Bible says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's one of the big Ten Commandments, right? It was a big one. God says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. One day a week, right? You work six days, but there's one day, just one day, that you need to worship, one day that you need to be with your family, one day that you need to pray, one day that you need to rest. It's Sabbath. It's Shabbat. You take a day. Now, for the Jews, that was that Friday night to Saturday night. That was their Sabbath. For Christians, when Jesus rose on the third day, that Sunday became the Sabbath for us, right? So today, Christians look at the Sabbath. It really doesn't matter which day, but like, okay, our day. So being in church, being in worship, and I'm so glad you're here. You guys are awesome, right? If you're here at Franklin, you're watching online, you're amazing. But what can happen, right, is we get busy, we start to take the devoted things, right? All of a sudden, we're like, well, I got to work, and I, you know, my work kind of moves into my Sunday or my Sabbath, and it, and it takes over. Or we got this travel, we got these kids, and, and the next thing you know, it's like, ah, I really don't have a Sabbath. I read the other day that a regular church attender today, here's how it's defined, two out of every five Sundays. I was like, wait a minute, two out of five? Wait, that's regular. That's like a regular person. That's like a regular, I'm going to make the Sabbath two out of five. And God's going, whoa, 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 slow down. Now, the great part is, praise God for technology, and we've got worship that you can attend, like when you're on vacation or you're out or whatever, but you still got to make that a priority. God, I need to rest. God, I need to be with my family. God, I need to pray. I need to worship you. Time. We can easily steal 
that. Second thing, I think sometimes even kids, right? We have family dedication. I've dedicated all three of my kids to the Lord. I love it. It is a special time when you have a, a baby. Jesus was dedicated to the Lord at eight days old, right? And we dedicate our kids to the Lord. We're like, hey, well, I want them to be men and women who grow up after you, Father. But then life gets busy, and things get crazy, and school happens, and sports, and travel. And, and the next thing you know, it's like the kids are just drifting away. And you're going, wait a minute. I don't want that. I want them following you, Lord. They were devoted to you. More than they were devoted to soccer or cheerleading or whatever else. And not that those things are bad. My kids play all those things. But at some point, we've got to make a decision. When I was growing up, I played baseball and basketball and, you know, I did all that AAU and all that kind of stuff and travel and those things. But, but I remember there was a time in middle school where I said, you know what, I don't know if I really have time for church. Mom, dad, I know, you know, I mean, I don't know if I really, you know, I've got all these other things that are happening. And, and my dad goes, well, as long as you live in our house, we're going to go to church, you know. And I was like, well, okay, that's a good option. I think I'm going to stick with church, right? Yeah. But my dad would said, this is a priority, this is something important. This is something that we do. And I learned that was a value in our house. The third thing I think that's devoted is this. It's tithing. You know, it says throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament affirms this. Our first 10% goes to God. And we look at that a lot of times. We're like, ah, oh, 10%. Wow. But think about how smart that was by God. I mean, he's God, right? It doesn't matter how much you make. No matter if you're the poorest of the poor or you're the wealthiest of the wealth, it's just 10%. It's easy. It's easy math. Whatever you are, wherever you are in history, 10%. And the amazing part is God goes, you get 90%. You're like, that's a pretty good deal, right? I mean, you're sovereign God. You give me all this, but I get to keep 90%. But what do we do? What do we do? Do you know, about 100 years ago, everybody just gave 10%. I mean, it was like, if you looked at, you did surveys back then, evangelical denominations, 10%. No, nobody even discussed it. Nobody even thought about it. About 30 years ago, the average church attender gave 6.2% to the work of the Lord. Okay, so it had dropped to that 6.2%. Do you realize today, the average church attender gives about 4.4% to the Lord? It just kind of keeps coming down. Non-believers, non-Christians, three out of four give to charity. But now non-Christians even give to charity, but Christians now are kind of dropping that percentage. And you know what's happening, right? So you got 10% that's supposed to go to the Lord. And now what we do is we live over here and we go, well, I don't have enough. So I'm going to come over here and I'm going to take from the things of God to kind of finance my lifestyle over here. And we're living in the wealthiest country that has ever existed. We have more money than ever before. But we buy things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even know. And it's like we just kind of keep pulling out over here. And God's going, guys, what are you doing? Haven't I given you a lot? Haven't I given you even more than you need? Here's what God says in the Old Testament, right? Will a mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Now notice those are two different things, right? Tithes, the first 10% goes to God. But every now and then, there's things over and above 
that we give to God. God's blessed me. God's done more for me. I want to give it back to him. I want it to be a thank you offering back to him. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Look at this. Test me in this. The only place in the entire Bible where God says, test me, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Guys, this isn't something that I want from you. This is something I want for you. I mean, when you do it right, when we do it right, God goes, look, I will open the floodgates of heaven. Would you trust me? And we're like, oh, I don't know, God. <laughs> at some point, you got to sit down. At some point, you just got to look and say, God, what have you done in my life? And there are times that are hard. There are times that are difficult. There are times that are challenging. I get it. But trust the Lord. And then teach your kids. I want to teach my kids. You know that 10, 10, 80 rule, first 10% goes to God. It's the devoted thing, right? The next 10% you save. Then you live on 80%. You do it, and you don't worry about it. You don't stress out about it. You don't let money ruin your life. You get control of money instead of it controlling you. In your life, man, are things devoted to the Lord. All right, notice this one. Wait for God's best. Guys, wait for God's best. You know what? I love this from Jim Elliott. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. Isn't that awesome? God always gives his best to those who leave the choice to him. If you guys keep going in here and you go into Joshua chapter 8, you know what? They go and take the whole army. God says, hey, you've repented. You've taken care of the sin. Now go fight the battle against I. And they go and fight the battle against I. God tells them how to win. They win the battle. And God says, all the spoils are yours. Take it all. Achan would have gotten more if he had just waited. If he would have done it the way the Lord said, Achan would have gotten more. Unbelievable. All right, notice this. God turns our tragedy into triumph. God turns our tragedy into triumph. Over Achan, they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor. This means trouble. The Valley of Trouble ever since. Hey, confession leads to redemption. Confession leads to redemption. A could, could have confessed, right? He only confessed when he got caught. He could have stopped this whole mess early on. God, here you go. I know what I've done. Could have stopped it. But he confessed when he got caught. Don't wait till you get caught. Right? Don't wait till you get caught. I, I love this verse in the New Testament. If we confess our sins, he, that's God, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God wants us to come to him. God wants us to trust him. God wants us to bring our struggles, our fears, our worries, our sins, our mistakes, our failures. Here you go, God. And God's like, watch this. I'm going to take it. I'm going to redeem it. Hey, now is the time to get right with God. Don't put it off. Don't say, you know what, I've got this thing in my life and it's kind of creeping in. There's an area that I'm tolerating. Now, get right. Say, God, I want to confess. I want to be pure. I want to do it your way. I want to trust you.
Joshua is this incredible leader right here, right? And he confesses to God of the sins of the people. And then he says, God, we want to do it right. God tells them how to do it. They go fight the battle of Ai. They win the battle of Ai. God gives them all the spoils. And then what Joshua does in Joshua chapter 8 is amazing. Joshua is like this incredible leader, this incredible coach, this spiritual leader of the nation. He brings everybody together. And so he takes all the people. I mean, you think about a million people. It's a lot of people, right? And he puts them on Mount Gerizim and all over Mount Ebal. And he's standing down kind of in this amphitheater. And he has all the nation around. And it says in chapter 8, verse 34, Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. He had everybody sit there and he read the entire first five books of the Old Testament to the people. All the blessings and the curses. Guys, let's do it right. Let's do it God's way. Just as it is written in the book of the law, there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. See, there were foreigners, there were people in the land who said, he's God, we want to join in. And Joshua's like, great, I'm glad you want to join in. But I want to tell you, do it right. And here's the way to do it right. Hey, let me just read it out to you. Let me read it out to you. Guys in our lives, right, make this a day. Then we go, you know what, if there's an area that I'm not doing it right, that, God, I want to come back and do it right. If you're a dad or, or granddad, you're the spiritual leader of your home. Sit down with your family. Say, guys, we want to reprioritize God. We want him to be first in our life. We want to do it right. We're not perfect, but man, I want you to know the Lord. I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to walk with him all the days of your life. You know, as a church, we're in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're praying for our country. There's a big election coming up in just two days, right? We're praying we're praying for us as a church on November 15th. We're going to have a time just like this, a time to recommit, a time to commit and say, God, we want to follow. We want to trust. And we need these times in our lives. Guys, we need these desperately. It's like you go to the doctor and you, you do a physical once a year. Why? Because you want to be healthy physically. You know, you sit down, you plan out insurance or you go to a financial advisor. Why? You want to do those things right. Spiritually, there's times you just want to do things right. And God, if I've gotten off track, if I've drifted in some way, if I've taken devoted things, or if there's sin that I'm tolerating, or God, if I'm worried or anxious, God, I want to trust you. Do it right. Do it right. Hey, go forward in the forgiveness and obedience to Jesus Christ. Hey, guys, this is so amazing to me. But see, there's there now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so if you are a Christ follower, you know what? There is condemnation. There is forgiveness. And there is a call to obedience. In John chapter 8, there's a woman who's caught in the act of adultery. I mean, you can't think of a worse place to be, right? I mean, like, caught in the act of adultery. There's a setup. And these religious leaders bust in. They grab her. They take her out. She's pulling a bed sheet or whatever to cover her up. And they throw her down at the feet of Jesus. And they all stand around. They go, Jesus, the law says that she should be stoned to death right here because of her sin. What do you say? The Bible says that Jesus bent down. And he began to draw on the sand. 
And then he stands up and he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all started to walk away. The oldest to the youngest. Jesus reaches down, he picks the woman up. And he says, where are those who condemn you? With tears in her eyes, she's like, they're all gone. And he's like, neither do I condemn you. I forgive you. I forgive you. But now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Don't go back to that life. Go to the new life, the life of obedience, to follow, to trust, to put God first. You know what? Here's what's amazing in the Old Testament. The valley of Achor becomes a door of hope. If you look in the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 2, verse 15, God says, therefore I will give her back her vineyards and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. The day that she was released out of slavery. The day that God made a way for her. Hey, I'm going to do that out of the valley of Achor. Out of their sin, I'm going to bring hope. Jesus, salvation, the Messiah has come for us. Guys, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. That is what we deserved. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. God is enough. And He is with you. And He is for you. He is to redeem you and raise you up. And out of your darkest tragedies, out of your biggest struggles, out of some of our worst defeats, God brings triumph. God brings hope. God brings peace. God is with you and He is for you. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. But I know this, God is here. God is here. And God loves you. Maybe today, maybe today there's an area you've just kind of grown spiritually lazy. (laughs) Maybe your prayer life. Maybe today there's some sin that you're tolerating. Nobody knows about it. You know about it. Maybe it's anger. It's alcohol. It's lust. It's greed. I don't know. But just allow God to come in and say, wait, I don't want to live that way, God. I want to get right with you today. I want to confess. I want to give it to you. Maybe there's a place where you're taking devoted things. You're like, God, that's yours. I want to trust you. I've been putting my faith in money or my job or things. God, I want to put my faith in you. You give me more than I need. God, you are so good. Maybe today is just a day to rest in the love and the grace of God. So Father, meet us in this moment and change us forever. Let us hear from you. Neither do I condemn you. (laughs) There is no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. There's only grace and forgiveness and hope. But go and sin no more. So Father, here we are, your disciples. And we're in desperate need of you, God. 
I pray that, Father, you would take our tragedies. I pray you would take our defeats, that you would take our struggles, and that you would bring triumph. That the rest of our life would be the best of our life. That we would trust you, God, in every area. We would grow stronger and deeper, and we would finish strong. For whatever breath we have in our lungs, God, we would give it our all, our best for your glory. So thank you for meeting us in this moment. Thank you for your presence today. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to learn more about what's going on here in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and stay up to date on everything that's happening and ways for you to connect. Thanks for listening. We are thankful for you.